afternoon, everybody. My name is Robin Ayub with the Localization Fireside Chat. Um, and I uh, wanted to welcome Renato for another conversation. Renato has been on the channel before. Um, we've had the pleasure of having you on, on, on the discussion here many times already. And I thought we'd do a pulse check with you and on where we are today. We've been having conversations in, in, on the podcast uh, on many topics. And what I thought we'd do, you and I uh, do, since you, um, since you are a well-known figure in the industry, you're well aware of all the statistics that's going on, all the data that is being pulled together by your uh, uh, research group and on the NIMSI side. I thought we'd do like a general overview of where we are. What's the status, where we are right now? So first, welcome. And uh, you. you don't need an introduction, but if you'd like to do a little bit of an introduction, go ahead. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, Robin, as you know. And uh, yes, I, 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 I'm here talking. It's, it's very interesting to be talking at this time. It's a, a time of a lot of uncertainty and fear in our space. Uh, and uh, a lot of our research has been around the, 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 the topics that are in everybody's mind these days. Uh, so our focus here at NIMS is market research and consulting, and we work with large enterprise buyers and uh, LSPs uh, and also technology companies. And it seems that uh, we're going through a phase where all these three topics have uh, three different areas of the industry have had different impacts and different conversations going on. So it's always great. Uh, it's 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 nice of you to think of me and to come back and do a status check. Let's put it this way. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, one of the things that it's it's you know I'm I'm hearing a lot of sound bites around, a lot of echoes around is um, the impact of AI on um, everything. Really, not just not just in the localization business, but since we are in the localization business or industry, I think that's the main concern for both of us. Uh, but every industry is being impacted with the, with the tech and how you deploy the tech and how you use it, etc. So, what is your read? Are we uh, unnecessarily scared or concerned, or I don't know how you want yes. to characterize it? I, I think that unnecessarily is uh, uh, the 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 key word there. Uh, you see, technology uh, isn't the solution for every single problem. And as you said, uh, AI Im has impacted every area of business. You go from pharmaceuticals to movies, to art, to uh, um, manufacturing. There is an impact in, in everything, every aspect of um, uh, business that you can imagine. But the, the, the potential value of this impact varies from one to the other. There are some areas where the impact is, is stronger and, and more visible than other areas. And in the language industry, it's not different. There are some areas where AI is scary. <laughs> AI is, is uh, moving into the, the business very strongly. And there is another area where it is really not having the impact that people expected. So uh, we're talking now, it's been uh, a year and a half since the inception of uh, ChatGPT, which was this big revolution in our space. And uh, by now, we have a better sense of what it was. So the hype cycle, the hype curve has gone through uh, uh, so what, one of the things that people say is that the adoption of AI has been in a pace that has uh, outpaced every other technology faster than the internet, faster than the iPhone, faster than uh, 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 social media, faster than any uh, technology. But uh, that also means that the hype cycle is faster. So the expectations that we had in November of 2022, when it came out, which was like shock and awe. What is this thing that <laughs> responds to me so uh, uh, immediately and, 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 and so uh, 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 generically impressive? And, and now we start seeing that, well, 
it's not that good. Well, it's not that amazing. And I, I, I have reached the point uh, of, of a balance where I see that the impact for translators is different than the impact for interpreters that is different from technology companies and LSPs. So we can look at this in multiple ways, but in general, I think that the most important thing from a language industry perspective, both from the buyer side and the supplier side, is for us to understand that a, a, a neuromachine translation is the first form of AI that has been deployed at scale. So uh, NMT is based on uh, uh, the transformer model and the transformer stands for the T in GPT. So it's uh, 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 generative pre-trained transformer. That's what GPT uh, means. And the T in transformer, uh, the T is transformer, is the same technology that was created for Google Neural Machine Translation that was deployed in 2018. So from 2018 to 2022, that's four years before uh, generative AI was launched, we had been using a form of generative AI, but we didn't know. We didn't have the, the, the language to describe that. So when uh, people from outside the industry, inside organizations that come from top management and say, you need to deploy AI, the mistake that we as an industry have been making is that we, we should be saying, well, We've already been doing this for four years, five years, six years now. Uh, uh, but we didn't have the language nor the knowledge to say that. So um, you bring a very good point because <clears throat> one of the things that, you know, we've been doing since 2018 and even till now, uh, since neural machine transition has been deployed, one thing that is chat GPT or the large language models are being adding right now that we did not have before is the ability for users to generate their content in their language, in their target language. And I think that's the question mark that everybody is now debating and on various industry, not just in the localization industry, but marketing, uh, marketing executives, uh, uh, sales so executives, CEOs. So go ahead. This is the point. Uh, uh, just the fact that you can doesn't mean that you should. The fact that there is a resource doesn't mean that you need to use it because it's not smart. I'll give you a, 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 a quick example. Uh, I, 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 I see the fallacies in the conversations that we have in, every, in very little day-to-day -day interactions that we have. So the example of, that you just described, I was having a conversation with an industry colleague at a lock lunch in Milan, in Italy. He's Polish. Uh, we were speaking English in Italy. So very global uh, conversation, like it's very typical in our business, right? So we're having this conversation and he claims, I think that the industry will be affected because now a person can, as you described, use ChatGPT and generate content in 40 languages immediately. And I said, yes. It's true. So I picked up my phone. I typed, write a LinkedIn post for lock lunch in Milan, which is where we were, in Korean. Immediately on my screen, this beautiful uh, uh, post in Korean. I don't speak Korean. Do you speak Korean? Do you speak Korean? No. Are you confident that you can publish this? Go, let's go, let's publish this. No, of course not. I can't read Korean. I don't know if it is good. I don't know if it is bad. And is it safe? I don't know what it's saying. I just told ChatGPT, write something in Korean. So we need to, the, the, the assumptions that we have, it is possible. The skill is there. The technology is capable of doing that. But is mm. it smart for us to do that? And I'll give you another quick example. Go ahead. Uh, I have a very good friend who had never, he's in the military in the United States. He had never mm -hmm. seen DALI. And we were talking about the ability to create images in DALI. So uh, we're out having a beer, having a conversation. And I say, 
Oh, you've never seen it? Let me show it to you. So he's a captain in the honor guard of the United States Army. So he participates in ceremonies, funerals for veterans and things like that. Very well-dressed, very ceremonial, right? And so I asked the um, uh, uh, Dali to create an image of a captain of the ceremonial honor guard dancing the Macarena with a Filipino woman, right? Boom, beautiful. Few seconds, it generates an amazing picture. I show it to him. I look at it. It's a guy in full regalia dancing with a woman, Filipino flags around, everything is perfect. This guy looks at the picture and the first thing he says is, that's a sergeant, that's not a captain. I wouldn't have known it. I don't know. For me, it was a perfect design. And this is where, in, in, a, in a sideway uh, uh, cross <laughs> uh, 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 image, I, I, I was able to understand the role of the expert in uh, using technology, right? Correct. Technology doesn't work in the vacuum. It doesn't Correct. work if, if you don't have an expert to Absolutely. verify it. So I would have published that and would have written a captain dancing and every military person or child of a military of people <laughs> would have known, would have known the, the, it's the military <laughs> culture would look at it and said stupid it's a sergeant <laughs> it's a sergeant. so this is the thing that gives context the fact that it can doesn't mean we should be doing it but there is a um a, you know i mean i i 100 agree with you um uh, you know we always talk about a human in the loop and you know the hybrid model and we use ai as a droid uh i, I you know i Came up with that the other day on one of my podcasts. You know, use it as a droid, use it as your assistant, use it as your support mm -hmm. layer, whatever you want to do, in whatever capacity that makes sense to you. Not necessarily to replace the individual, but to make them a little bit more efficient on what they do and how they do it. Absolutely. But one of, but one of the things that it's surprising about this technology that everybody keeps talking about is its ability to learn. It's not a static technology anymore. It's not like we've installed it. And okay, so we got to wait for the next version to come out with the next release to update, etc. It's continuously learning. And there's singularity that's, you know, coming upon us here in the next few years, that everybody talks about what is singularity and if singularity achieved, what is gonna what is the technology going to look like? And how much time do we have before this thing starts to think on its own? It's a little different than you know, installing Windows on your on your the latest window release on, on a, somebody's laptop. Um, this is a but, but, but transformative self-learning technology. So sometimes learning is not a good thing, right? Uh, it's there is the the. Uh, Are you talking about garbage in, garbage out? No, no, I'm talking about diminishing returns, right? Okay. The, the 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 element of there is a certain curve, and you get to a point where you can't go further. And this has been true with, in the language industry for the last several decades with machine translation, right? You never reach that peak. So uh, uh, you can invest millions and millions and millions and millions of, of dollars, but your German to English, French to German, Italian to Spanish, and so on, it's going to increase, the quality is only going to increase marginally because you're always catching up. Language is constantly changing. There's new terminology. There's new context. There's a lot of stuff that is happening all the time. And also, uh, the way it learns is not uh, equal across the board. Keep in mind that we are in a transformational business. We don't create anything. So we get content that is created by somebody, and we transform it into another language, into another format, into another platform in different. We transform that content sometimes into a different medium. And uh, our job is just to get what it is in a certain language and then put it in one or many other languages. That transformation uh, is not even uh, because even if the technology is learning, I was in India uh, in uh, Chennai, where they speak Tamil, an amazing language that is over 2,400 years in, in its current form. It's um, classic, 80 million people speak it. It's spoken in four countries. And yet 
the availability of uh, 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 the the ability of AI to create content in uh, Tamil is not as uh, accurate, is not as good, and will get better over time. But it's always going to be lagging because there's not as much content. We live in an English-centric. 70% of AI is, or in some models, it comes up to even 90%, is trained on English content. So it's English-centric, it's English-biased, It's there are lots of problems with it. So what I've been seeing in my trips is that every country that I go, they're developing their own LLMs. They're creating their own uh, uh, new platforms that is going to be trained with the local bias, with the local history, with the local performance. One of the things that I learned in Chennai, for example, is that there have been two language wars that they call in Tamil Nadu in that region were uh, uh, disputes with the central government of India for the state to have more rights to use their language. And from the Hindi majority, Hindi-speaking majority, they call those movements anti-Indian movements or anti-Indian riots or something like that. And from the the Tamil perspective, these were language wars, right? These are the little nuances that bias the conversation. So uh, going back to your uh, assertion that uh, the systems learn, which systems, (laughs) right? Because now we tend to talk, it's the same problem that we have with machine translation. We tend to talk about machine translation, but there are today in the market 87 machine translation solutions. And they address different problems, different language pairs, different areas of expertise, Everything is is uh, relative, right? So when we talk about AI, which AI, right? Which large language model are we going to use? Which one is the most appropriate and better trained for the type of content that I want to handle? And this is where the service comes back to right. the picture. I have a sense that... Um, the way that we will be interacting with AI is the way that we are mostly interacting today. It's going to be through platforms, through expert systems. So if you take a TMS today, some people claim that uh, uh, this is the end of the TMS era. But let's, let's assume it's not the end. Every TMS solution that you have in the market today has a component of Gen AI implemented in it. If you go to a CRM, CRM has generative AI in it. If you use your email uh, platform, I use Gmail. Uh, I have an option there to autocomplete or write a response automatically. And and this is a practical tool of generative AI that I don't need to have uh, a, a license, a separate license of AI here, it's incorporated into the the platforms that we use. So I would claim that in the language area, AI is going to appear more as a feature than as a product. It's going to be incorporated inside uh, a workflow system, inside a production system. And there is another element that we frequently forget to address is that we're looking at our, and this is, it's called the the visionaries paradox, right? Uh, We tend to look at the future as an extension of what we have today. And we're looking now at a trend that started with Google Glass, which I have this box here is a Google Glass that I bought 10 years ago as a pioneer in, in this image uh, projection of, of content. Now we're seeing Vision Pro coming out as spatial computing. Spatial computing is a new, a completely new environment. And, and Vision Pro is probably the, the, the first 
or the second because you had uh, Oculus and so on from from Facebook Meta. Uh, it's it's one of the first iterations and formats that we might have uh, this new type of of computing <clears throat> where everything will change again. And when everything changes, the solutions will change and the, and we will need services. Technology doesn't live in a vacuum. This is what I do. So, as you know, our industry is uh, resistant to change by in general. Uh, in general. And, uh, mm -hmm. Of course, there are pockets where are more, um, you know, they have more appetite for change than others. But in general, we are resistant to change. What do you recommend or what is your read on what is a translator needs to do today to a <clears throat> keep up with what's going on in the world in terms of the new application, the new ways of doing things. And remember, you know, we, as you mentioned earlier, we are in a transformative industry. So we receive things, we transform them, and we put them back into on the conveyor belt, if you will. Now, and similarly, in, a, uh, in, in our industry, we're being driven a lot by what other market customers, you know, be whatever that market customer is, it's dictating upon us. And as you see around you, like the high-tech companies, the pharmaceutical company, engineering firms, manufacturing, they're all either A, laying off people because they're assuming there may be a, uh, a huge benefit for deploying AI now. And I think, I think they're doing a, some of the stuff, and that's my personal opinion, prematurely. You know, they're reaping the benefit before the benefit gets realized in terms of the cost savings. What does yeah, a, I, a translator I, needs to I do been, today? Yeah, I, I, I've been looking at this very, very attentively. Uh, the layoffs have nothing to do with AI, by the way. It's, it's just like a, 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 a publicly traded companies have a, a, a share value motivations and they're not necessarily related to performance or a number of employees and things like that. They're driven by certain indicators and changes that are happening all the time. So... Um, we, as, a, as an industry, we manage complexity, and complexity is very hard to automate. From a translator perspective, the job of the translator is going to change significantly, as it has changed. I, I, I worked as a translator. I started in the 80s. I used a typewriter. I you missed those days? I, yellow pads and, and things like that. So uh, when the computer came, my job changed. I used to collect dictionaries. I have... Of the 3,000 dictionaries that I used to have, I probably have four or five here that I keep for sentimental purposes, not that I use them at all. Uh, <clears throat> and I, I think a little bit of, of, of certain roles that have changed. The role of a mechanic in the automotive industry, right? If you look at the picture of a mechanic in the 50s, 60s, 70s, it was a, a guy that was dirty with grease and, and was adjusting uh, uh, engines and carburetors and, and uh, uh, really mechanical elements. Today, uh, a mechanic, a car mechanic, <clears throat> is almost like a scientist. He's wearing white clothes. He's, he has computers with probes that he connects to electronic components in the front of the car and diagnoses what are the problems and sometimes just injects some software uh, update into the system and um, repairs the problem, right? Uh, the, the, that mechanic that I used to see near my office in Rio de Janeiro, all dirty, wearing shorts and sandals, uh, doesn't exist anymore. It's, it's, he wasn't educated. He didn't know how to read and write. He listened to the noise of, of the engine and knew how to adjust that. And now we have a, 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 a university graduate who's dealing with computers and is diagnosing and working with you. The, 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 the function was upskilled. The role was, was advanced. So uh, I, I have seen discussions among translators and interpreters. And uh, something that struck me recently was a colleague mentioning that and this is the same person that 10 years ago was complaining about uh, machine translation, is now saying, you know, I prefer to review and post-edit a good machine translation than work on the text of a rookie junior translator because 
the 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 machine translation is much better doesn't make the type of mistakes that a rookie translators translator will make because it it's good with terminology the grammar is pretty good i need to work a little bit on style my productivity increases my output is better one of the things that we know is that content is going to explode there's still we're still in this process of exploding content uh, because we can, right? Is that conversation sure. that we had before? Why do we have so much content? Because it's <clears throat> easy, because it's cheap, because we can create it, because generative AI can create it for us. Mm -hmm. uh, we work very closely with Uber. Uber had a problem where the marketing department started sending the localization department blog posts or, or social media entries uh, already translated into 40 languages. And they wanted uh, the localization department to review it for them. And they said, hey, this is outside our workflow. It's going to take us uh, it's more effort to send your uh, AI-generated content through our review process than if you just gave it to us in English and we machine translated it, went through our process, it's all automated, it's all uh, automatic, and it's all already trained with our terminology, trained with our style, and uh, it's going to cost us much less than having something outside of, of the workflow that we're used to using. Again, it's just because you can, it doesn't mean that you should. <laughs> but you're talking, uh, and I appreciate that, and I have a total respect for publicly facing content where you probably need to have a specific way of, of editing and making sure that, you know, you don't end up with bad reputation because you mistranslated something and posted it in the public domain. But I'm assuming your opinion will change when you're talking about the lower level visibility content. Um, that, and there's many of it. Um, and, oh, yeah. and, and, I, and, and what's your opinion on the low visibility content and the tech side and the translator? This, this low visibility content is the type of content that nobody ever had budget to, to spend anyway. It could be user-generated content, inter content for internal consumption. You're based in Canada. You have this requirement to have every internal communication in English and in French at the same time. It's a legal requirement and you have to do it. But some of it is stuff that is going to be read in some organizations by three people. Am I going to spend money paying a translator to translate uh, 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 an HR notice to my employees, and there are three who are French speakers or 50 or put any small number in there, am I going to spend $1,000 for something that I can do with machine translation, generative AI, and so on? Probably not. But these are the, it's the same discussion that we had when machine translation came, uh, came into being, which is essentially, and what we observed at that time is that Machine translation was not replacing professional translation or high-value content or client-facing content, as you described. It was translating. I, I, I remember writing that MT equals ZT. Uh, machine translation replaces zero translation. Machine translation replaces those things that were never going to be paid for. And I think that we're going into a space where these use cases are going to be uh, uh, discussed and reviewed, but it takes time, right? Yeah. And another point, Robin, that is it's very interesting for us to understand, these solutions, we tend to speak of these solutions in a very binary, bilingual situation, right? It's, it's the human bias. We check the stuff, the languages that we understand. Uh, everything that comes to me in multiple languages, let's see if I, I, I receive something in 10 languages, I'm going to go for Portuguese first. That's my mother tongue. That's what I'm going to check first, right? That's right. We all do this. Yep. So bilingual, it's very easy. And we make our judgment based on that because that's, that's right. our capability. I, I like to tell this story. When I was at Moravia, we used to do to translate Microsoft Office and uh, all of a sudden, we started getting lots of complaints about our Dutch. We never had problems with Dutch. And all of a sudden, we start getting complaints about Dutch. And then what had changed? The leader, the buyer on the client side was Dutch now. It used to be a French person, and now it was a Dutch person. 
And what was he checking? Dutch. Dutch. <laughs> Where would he find mistakes? Dutch. In Dutch. <laughs> so w- w- what we forget is that in, in <clears throat> our business, at least at the level that uh, uh, many of these uh, organizations are working at, we're not talking about bilingual content. So the impact on bilingual clients, on LSPs that do one language yeah. pair, will probably be different from those that are doing 30, 40, 100 languages at a time. Because the complexity increases, the risk increases. I'll give you another data point that I find interesting. I have a personal friend who's the CTO of a healthcare company here in the United States. Lives in Seattle, is a personal friend. We're having this conversation about the impact on AI in the language industry. He's asking me, and I asked him, what's, what's the situation at your company? And he said, we forbid our employees to get even close to ChatGPT or any uh, AI solution. And I asked why. And he said, the cost of a lawsuit because of an AI error will be much, much higher than any benefit that I will or any savings that I will get from using AI in my organization. So there is this element, especially in the United States, which is where is a very- In the US, probably you have legislations against that, don't you? In the healthcare sector. Uh, uh, you have legislation. I wouldn't say that you have legislation against that because that is too new to have legislation against, especially because- Well, at least you have to mark your content that has been produced by AI but, now, no? But, yeah, but you have, uh, uh, and this is not legislation, it's probably uh, a directive or something like that, because here in the United States, specifically, Congress is paralyzed. There's no legislation going on here in the United States for for political reasons. But this is, this is the detail in this conversation. There's no legislation uh, uh, preventing that, but there is a... a, a legislation around liability, there is legislation around uh, uh, processes in place. For you to have an idea about, you talk about legislation and language in the United States. Here in the United States, I cannot uh, communicate with my doctor in writing unless I use a fax. Why? Because the legislation, fax machines, everything. If, if, If my a doctor wants to send my a prescription to a pharmacy here in the United States, it has to be done by fax. Why? Because this legislation was written in the 90s at the time where the fax was the most advanced technology, and it takes decades to change legislation in the United States or anywhere in the world. So uh, it's still enshrined in the U.S. legislation that communication about patients, confidential information about patients, can only be transferred by fax and not by email or not by uh, any other uh, type of format. So uh, many, many people do it by fax and then by email or, or a combination or so on, but the official communication is only done by fax. And this is the problem with incorporating technology legislation because you enshrine something and at the speed that change is happening, things are going very, uh, could go awry that way. So what I'm understanding from you here, just for the audience to understand as well, is that the industry is, um, you know, good and well and has a lot of future in the, in, in, in the future, uh, had a lot of, yes, a lot of positive in the future, I'd say. The NIMSI 100, where we look at the growth of the industry and we rank the top companies in the industry every year, uh, 2023 was an odd year. It was, uh, we had uh, the Hollywood strikes that affected the media translation space significantly, significantly. Those companies had a significant drop in revenue. Um, You have the layoffs in the tech industry. The tech industry uh, uh, moves a lot of money in the localization industry. And I'm talking about the large players, you, Amazon, uh, Google, Apple, Microsoft, uh, Meta, Salesforce, all these technology giants in the world, they move a lot of money. And this has a ripple effect, right? If uh, RWS or We Localize gets a, a, a reduction in the projects that they need to handle, uh, this affects, I don't know, 
100 uh, LSPs all over the world. So there is this gestalt, this perception that the industry is going. But on the other side, the interpreting companies have had a significant growth in demand. The healthcare and pharmaceutical medical industry has had significant growth. Uh, There is a lot of areas that have outpaced the 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 areas that have had reductions in 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 demand so we're looking at a year where the top uh 10 companies have grown more than they grew from 22 to 23. uh we're looking at an industry where uh four or five years ago the hundredth largest company in the language industry was 10 million dollars in revenue in 2023, the 100th largest company is $18 million in revenue. It's a significant jump, right? Yep. So I think that our industry, uh, uh, February 2023, that is a few months after, four months after ChatGPT had come out, I was having an existential crisis. I was thinking, For the last 20 years, I've been saying that the language industry is impervious to crisis. I've been repeating that this is an industry that is constantly growing, and I don't see uh, that uh, changing anytime soon. And in February of last year, I was having, "Mm, maybe this year, (laughs) I'm very wrong. I have to walk back my predictions, and my my optimism is going to, to, to fail me. And by June, I I had changed my mind because I, I I see the AI AI in our industry is not different from any other technology in, uh, uh, shock that we have had. I don't even think that AI for localization is disruptive. I think that neural machine translation was disrupted. And that's a form of AI, like I said in the beginning yeah. of our conversation. Yeah. <clears throat> NMT is the first form of AI, and it's working, and it works well, uh, and it's getting better, right? Uh, uh, it's So generative AI, it's disruptive in many, many industries, for many of our clients, but not necessarily for us. For us, it's an incremental uh, know, Just another tool. It's, it's it, like I said... We're going to, I, 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 I believe that the way we're going to use this, Robin, is going to be inside other technologies. I'll, I'll give you another example. As you know, I, I'm invited frequently to speak at events, and I usually ask people right at the beginning, by show of hands, to tell me how many people use uh, generative AI every day. And I will have varying from a few hands to... 10% of the room. Then I asked how many people have never used generative AI. And even though the numbers have been going down, it's more always more than half of the room. More than half of the people at language and localization focused uh, conferences, that's where I speak, have never used it. So they're afraid of something that they don't know. Yeah. And I think that a, a, a common saying in every industry is that the 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 uh, the way that we say here the, the the a translator is not going to be replaced by AI now it was by NMT before uh, a translator is not going to be replaced by AI a translator is going to be replaced by another translator that uses AI that knows how to use it so the skill that the translator needs to develop is how to use that technology to their benefit. And when I talk about translator, I mean interpreters too. Yeah, and, and you're a very good point because this has been the theme of every conversation that we've had on this channel is that the competition is going to be who learn the skills faster, uh, who can update their skills faster. It is not by replacing anybody. It just make sure that you learn a new tool, new skill. We have another problem, which <clears throat> is... Um, scarcity of resources. There are fewer translators than the market needs for all the languages that are required. And uh, there are fewer students wanting to take on translation. Mm -hmm. So there is an adjustment period in this space, but over time, the role of the translator will 
be that of an expert that is well-trained, that can do the job, and it's going to be scarce. So there is a, an opportunity for uh, very good professionals to be valued more than that's right. uh, that's right. the ones that are commoditized. So right? one of the, uh, you know, we always talk about it from a service provider <laughs> perspective on the language side of things. What's your read on the tech companies inside of our industry? Those are the technology companies that are producing software tools in our industry. Uh, a, uh, are they growing? Are they static? Uh, what's the Also, what's your read on incubation, on brand new ideas uh, being generated to serve our industry and serve our customers in our industry? Look, as you know, we publish every year the language technology. I know you Atlas. do. We track. I have here, you can see a little bit I of see, the, yep. the poster that <laughs> we publish every year. It's about a thousand technologies this year that we tracked. We track. So... Um, because our industry is so diverse and it affects every other industry that you can imagine, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the technologies that uh, are created in our space, they tend to be solving niche problems and specialized problems. You have generic solutions like translation management systems, terminology management systems, uh, quality control systems, and so on but you have a lot of uh, uh, technologies that are specific for a certain niche, like subtitling, uh, uh, voiceover, and, and um, you name it, right? Uh, again, I believe that a lot of these um, technologies are incorporating AI into their solution or whatever mm -hmm. there are many it's very easy to create technology today so i think we're going to have a glut of of uh, new newcomers new technologies we're going to have ai as a feature in the ones that are existing i had a conversation with a technology company owner the other day and he said you know uh, all my clients expect AI to be incorporated in my technology. I have incorporated it. It doesn't make it any better. It doesn't make it any faster. It doesn't make it any cheaper. But clients want to see it in my technology. I do this more as a marketing gimmick than a benefit, really. At this stage, right? This might change over time. And I think that the, the, the other important factor to, to keep in mind in this conversation is that uh, the more technology you create, the more complexity you add to the process. And then you come into the classic paradox of choice. If I have so many choices, which one is the best? And if you have one that is better than the other, <laughs> you, you don't have that the AI, the machine translation, the TMS. You have to have a choice. And when you have choice, you have complexity. When you have complexity, you need services. You need somebody to guide you. You need somebody to help you. You need somebody to process it, right? The variables that are changing constantly, what is the maturity of the buyer? What are What is the size of the team of the buyer? What is the buyer really buying? Are they buying compliance? Are they buying access? Are they buying, uh, 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 how do you say, uh, communication? Are they buying serv customer service or are they buying uh, uh, sales of their product? So the demands change, the different, the, 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 the style of communication changes according to the type of communication that there is. And when you have all these variables, uh, it's very hard to think of the AI that is going to replace us. I'm, I'm very optimistic because I believe, and this is something that I've noticed at least for the last 15 years, that the value of our business, the, the survival of our industry comes from services, not technology. It's people who need people to do work for them. That's right. The large technology buyers are laying off people. There's fewer people to do the job. They need to buy it from outside. So they're going to buy it from an LSP. The job of an LSP will probably change. There are things that might change and uh, a future conversation we might want to have is for the first time, I believe that there is an opportunity for us to have conversations about changing the pricing model. Uh, the per word model is a, 
is uh, 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 how do you say enshrined as the the do not touch kind of conversation that we have in this space, but with translation becoming basically free, uh, there is opportunity to talk about new pricing models for the LSP. That's right. And <clears throat> on that on that note, the um, the last uh, topic I would like to address today is the economics of our industry. You mentioned I feel positivity in your conversation, I, I and it's truly refreshing because every conversation I've had on this topic, I felt like the sky's falling, and I'm glad I'm, I'm glad we're talking today. Actually, <laughs> you make me feel a little bit more positive about this. So, um, the economics of our industry growing, shrinking. I know you mentioned earlier that the in the conversation that the uh, this year is a bit more of a stable year. Um, is that is that true? For certain areas. Yes. For certain areas. As a whole, the preliminary data that we have, uh, we're going to be publishing this soon. Uh, the industry is growing. It's still outpacing the economic growth of the economy as a whole, right? So uh, traditionally, this is an industry that grows between 6 and 7% a year. Yep. Uh, I, we might be at, I don't know, 5, 5.5, slightly less, but it's still growing. Like I said... Uh, 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 the, 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 the top 10 companies grew more than 15% or 14% this in 2023. It's not that bad. It's much, much, much better. There is another element, uh, economic conditions. The biggest market in the, in the world is the United States. The United States uh, has had economic growth, low unemployment, uh, stable inflation, all the economic indicators in the United States are excellent. The stock exchange is growing at record uh, uh, levels. Unemployment is the lowest in history. So the, 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 the economic environment for our industry, the indicators that affect our industry are here. There is a, a, a demand is growing. Germany is in a recession. Japan is in a recession. There's war. Whenever there's war, somebody is making a lot of money. There is translation in sure. there. Even if it is, there is a segment of our industry that we don't talk about, which is a huge segment, is the, how did they call it? The, the military industrial complex, right? Eisenhower called this. It's a secret engine that moves billions of dollars of translation in our industry. I know. And the language has shift over time. I mean, mm -hmm. 10 years ago, it was Dari, Pashto, and all the Afghani languages. Now it's Ukrainian, it's uh, 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 Arabic, uh, uh, it's, it's sure. a, a different set of languages. But there is a lot of intelligence, a lot of content that requires language services. And governments spend a lot of money on that, NATO, the United States, and, and so on. So uh, I, I, I see that from an economic indicator perspective, we're still uh, uh, for, since the pandemic, every month, every quarter, there is this prediction that we're going to have a recession, the recession, the recession that never came, right? Uh, so I, I believe that, uh, the, the, and, and I follow these indicators constantly, I, I would repeat that uh, there is a huge impact of AI in the economy. Uh, I think that the economy, the, the impact is more towards growth than reduction of activity. It has enabled more content. And I think that the impact is different in different industries. And we have already experienced the impact of neuromachine translation, which is a form of AI in our industry uh, several years ago. So right now it's just noise. Yeah, it's an annoyance. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> I think you have to... AI for our industry. If I am, if I were a buyer of localization services, if if I am working in a in a any any company that has a localization department, I would be tired of having to talk to people from other departments that are asking us to use AI. Right. So my message to you localization buyer is tell everybody that you've been using AI since 2018 when you implemented neuromachine translation in your workflows 
and uh, UA, uh, uh, NMT is the first form of AI. This is the mantra that we need to share. Correct. Absolutely. Hey, listen, uh, Renato, thank you so much for uh, this uh, valuable wisdom that you shared with, the, with me and my audience today. Really appreciate you coming online with me. Any last uh, comments before we uh, stop the recording? <clears throat> oh, uh, Robin, it's always fun to be here. Thank you very much to have me. I, I, I am very positive. I am motivated. I think that uh, the best days in this industry are yet to come. And keep in mind, uh, I think recently, uh, John Juncker published his globalization scorecard where he looks at all the top websites in the world from a localization perspective. And again, once again, the average number of languages that websites are translated into went up. So every year, more languages are added. And he uses an average number, right? So uh, as the world grows, as the economy improves, as more people have access to the internet, over a million people join the internet every day, there is going to be more demand for new languages and those languages that are not uh, addressed by ChatGPT. We, you might be translating your website into Lingala, Bengali, uh, um, pick a language, uh, Yengatu, right. and uh, you don't even know where those languages come from, but the clients buy your products That's there right. and you need <clears throat> to communicate with them. And this is what we do. We make people communicate. communicate with other people. That's so right. I'm very happy about being in this. That's space. right. Thank you, Renato, one more time. I appreciate you coming online with me today and for uh, putting this podcast together with me. And to my audience and uh, to the listeners of this podcast, thank you so much for sharing uh, this time with us. Thanks for listening in. And if you haven't done so and you like what we produce on this channel, I highly encourage you to subscribe, comment, and share on our content. I really appreciate it. Until next time, this is Robin Ayub and Renato Beninato signing off. Thank you so much.